ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತಾ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ತ್ರೀ ವರ್ಸ್ ಸೆವೆಂಟೀನ್ ಥ್ರೂ ನೈನ್ಟೀನ್ ಆತ್ಮತೃಪ್ತ self illuminated cha and manavah a man atmani in himself eva only cha and santushtah perfectly satiated <coughs> tasya his karyam duty na does not vidyate exist <coughs> no switch this icon off translation and purport by zivangres ac bhaktivedant swami shri prabhupad ki jai translation one who is however taking pleasure in the self <clears throat> who is illumined in the self who rejoices in, in and is satisfied with the self only fully satiated for him there is no duty please repeat one who is however taking pleasure in the self who is illumined in the self who rejoices in and is satisfied with the self only fully satiated for him there is no duty purport a person who is fully krishna conscious and is fully satisfied by his acts in krishna consciousness no longer has any duty to perform due to his being krishna conscious all impiety within is instantly cleansed and affect an effect of many many thousands of yagna performances by such clearing of consciousness one becomes fully confident of his eternal position in relationship with the supreme his duty thus becomes self illuminated by the grace of the lord and therefore he no longer has any obligations to the vedic injunctions such a krishna conscious person is no longer interested in material activities and no longer takes pleasure in material arrangements like wine women and similar infatuations <coughs> it's very important verse so we'll go to the next because the next two verses are also on the speaking on the same vein chapter 3 text 18 naivatasya krita kritenartho nakritenaeha kaschana nachasya sarvabhuteshu kaschid artha vyapashrayah A self-realized man has no purpose to fulfill in the discharge of his prescribed duties nor has he any reason not to perform such work nor has he any need to depend on any other living being purport a self-realized man is no longer obliged to perform any prescribed duty 
save and accept activities in Krishna consciousness. Krishna consciousness is not inactivity either, as will be explained in the following verses. A Krishna conscious man does not take shelter of any person, man or demigod. Whatever he does in Krishna consciousness is sufficient in the discharge of his obligation. Tasmad asaktaha satatam karyam karma samachara asakto hyacharan karma paramapnoti purushaha. Therefore, without being attached to the fruits of activities, one should act as a matter of duty, for by working without attachment, one attains the Supreme. Purport The Supreme is the personality of Godhead for the devotees and liberation for the impersonalist. A person therefore acting for Krishna or in Krishna consciousness under proper guidance and without attachment to the result of the work is certainly making progress toward the supreme goal of life. Arjuna is told that he should fight in the battle of Kurukshetra for the interest of Krishna because Krishna wanted him to fight. To be a good man or a non-violent man is a personal attachment but to act on behalf of the supreme is to act without attachment for the result. That is, perfect action of, that is perfect action of the highest degree recommended by the Supreme Personality of Godhead Sri Krishna. Vedic rituals like prescribed sacrifices are performed for purification of impious activities that were performed in the field of sense gratification. But action in Krishna consciousness is transcendental to the reactions of good or evil work. A Krishna conscious person has no attachment for the result <coughs> but acts on behalf of Krishna alone. He engages in all kinds of activities but is completely non-attached. So, we'll go back to the first one, 317. So, actually there is a lot that is spoken here, which is very important. We will try to cover as much as possible. So one who is, in the 17th verse, is stated, one who is, however, taking pleasure in the self, who is illumined in the self, who rejoices in and is satisfied with the self only, fully satiated, for him there is no duty. <coughs> so duty, why do we have duty? What is a duty? Duty means obligation. Now, if you work, you have a duty towards your boss or the company and you have a duty towards the customer a teacher has a duty towards the student because there is a sense of um, obligation because if I don't do it then I won't get my pay or I there's something there's something at stake due to which we are obliged and that's how work becomes obligatory any work <coughs> So now here, it is said that a person who is fully Krishna conscious and is fully satisfied by his acts in Krishna consciousness no longer has any duty to perform. So actually, if we learn from the Vedas, from the Bhagavatam, we will understand whom we are obliged to, whom we are a debtor to. We have to pay our debts. We are actually a debtor. The moment we take birth, we are a debtor. Because we take, we will go to that verse now. It's stated, oh, why is this not even coming? 
okay before that comes we'll go here <coughs> In the Bhagavatam, 11th canto, 5th chapter, verse 41, it is stated very nicely. Devarshibhutapta naranam pitrinam nakinkaro nayam ranicharajan sarvatmanayah saranam saranyam gato mukundam parihrityakartam. O king, okay, we can actually go to the word to word. You see, Deva, Deva, Devarshibhutapta naranam pitrinam. Deva, Rishi, Bhuta, Apta, naranam and pitrinam. So, these are the people we are debted, I mean, we have a debt towards. O king, one who has given up all material duties and has taken full shelter of the lotus feet of Mukunda, who offers shelter to all, is not indebted to the demigods, great sages, ordinary living beings, relatives, friends, mankind, or even one's forefathers who have passed away. Since all such classes of living entities are part and parcel of the Supreme Lord, one who has surrendered to the Lord's service has no need to serve such persons separately so we are indebted to the demigods for example deva we are <coughs> taking sunlight we are taking water we are taking air uh, we are on this earth and earth is giving so many things so we are uh, we are indebted to the devatas there are 330 million they are governing different parts of universal supplies which we are depend which we are taking for granted you see? So, devas, we are obliged to them. Then there are great sages. Great sages, why? Because they have left so much wisdom. Right? Like Vedavyas, he has written the whole Vedas. Valmiki has written the Ramayana. And great sages have spoken so many. Like even our Six Goswamis, Rupa Goswami, they have written so much literature for our benefit. Even Srila Prabhupada. How much he has done for us. Uh, so we are obliged. We cannot repay them at all. Ordinary living beings. Next class. Ordinary living beings. Uh, it can be even animals sometimes. We take help from the animals. Sometimes people keep pet as dogs as pets. So the dog guards him. Uh, or some sometimes... Like if you go to Himalayas, Kedarnath, Badrinath, there you can go on a horse, on a horse ride. So the people who are maintaining that horse, their livelihood is because of the horse, they are obliged to the horse. I mean in many ways, <coughs> we are obliged. Even maybe we take milk from the cow, we are obliged. So nothing comes free. Either you pay up front, or you pay later with interest, like credit card. We have to pay. If we take something for free, then we have to take, come back and again take birth and repay that. Uh, 
So we are always a debtor when we are taking all these favors. So nothing we should uh, take it take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Ordinary living beings, relatives, relatives help us in so many ways. Friends, mankind, mankind in general. Like we are taking advantage of the safety of Singapore because of the government, and that is a group of people, right? And the internet is existing. We are taking advantage of that. Somebody is maintaining all these people. Some software engineers are sitting down, and so many sacrifices they are doing. You know, we are completely dependent all the time. Or even once forefathers were passed away, how are we indebted to them? What have they given us? They have given us traditions, culture, customs. So that they can be a good order in the family. Of course, nowadays these are being uh, not given much importance. <clears throat> and also, over the time, the families, they have also deviated from what Krishna has actually spoken and what is the real aim of life. So therefore, it has become a little bit topsy-turvy in the Kali Yuga. But sometimes the forefathers, they, they uh, because of them, we may inherit some wealth, some property. That is like tangible. But even culture, you know. So we are always indebted to the, all of these classes of people. But since all such classes of living entities are part and parcel of the Supreme Lord, one who has surrendered to the Lord's service has no need to serve such persons separately. This is the point today's class, today's verse is speaking about this. He has no duty to perform. Who is satisfied in himself alone? Who is who is actually satisfied in himself? Uh, who has actually surrendered to the Supreme Self or the Super Soul, Paramatma? He only can be satisfied. There is one verse in why this doesn't always come up. There is a verse in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Which is very nicely put. I will uh, try to take it out. It's a bit difficult without this Vedavish thing. Okay. So it is said Bukti Mukti Siddhi Kami Sakali Ashanta Krishna Bhakta Nishkam Ataiva Shanta. Ataiva Shanta. Shanta means who is peaceful. So there are many kinds of people who attain, who attempt to attain for perfection. But all of them have a problem. Because they are not happy actually. They are not peaceful. Sakali Ashanta. Who... Bhukti Kami. Yes, yes. My laptop is quite slow. Madhya 19, 149. No link even. Come on. So, um, Where is it? 
if this is not going to work I'm just going to just speak can't show it here hi hi what no the problem is there's a problem with this computer Okay. So here is the verse Krishna Bhakta Nishkam Atayeva Shanta Bhukti Mukti Siddhikami Sakaliya Shanta. So there is <coughs> Krishna Bhakta who is Nishkam, who has no material desires. Then we can just sit down and hear the class. Too much movement. So Krishna Bhakta, devotee of Krishna, is a Nishkam. He has no material desires and he is peaceful. Uh, but Bhukti Kami, the Bhukti Mukti Siddhi Kami. So there are three types of Kamis. Kami means one who has material desires. So one is Bhukti Kami, who simply wants sense gratification. Ordinary people, most of the people or 99% of the people fall into this category. They just want to be happy in this material world. <coughs> they are called Bhukti Kami. Then there is another class, Mukti Kami, who wants to get liberated from this material world. Why is he called a Kami then? If he doesn't want enjoyment in this material world, if he wants to get moksha, why is he called a Kami? Because he is still interested in his own self. He wants to be, he is frustrated with material happiness, endeavor for material happiness, so that, that's why he wants Mukti. And this Mukti Kami come in the category of impersonalists. There is another subject matter, where, you know, Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavanite, Shabdhyate. Bhagavan can be understood in three phases, three stages. So, first is impersonal. People usually understand. It is easy for them to understand God as a, a power. Or impersonal, not a person. You know. Many people think like this. So, this is first stage of realizing God. That they understand there is some universal power. Huh? But they don't know who it is, what it is. They don't know. And they don't like to give a name, don't like to, you know, worship a deity or a form because they think God is impersonal. But that is imperfect understanding. So, Prabhuji, the uh, man can sit down here. Oh, man, <clears throat> so, the, that is imperfect understanding. It's partial understanding. Because if God is all-powerful, why can he not have a form? Why can he not have? If we have form... Why cannot, why can God not have a form? He should have everything within our experience and beyond our experience. So if even we have form and he is a supreme and overlord everything, he doesn't have form. What kind of understanding is that? That is not God. So God means he has form and at the same time he is also infinite. Why people don't like to understand that he has a form? Because they think form means, okay, maybe a six foot person is limited in space and time and dimensions God is infinite oh that means if he has a limited form he is not infinite this is their tiny brain trying to understand God because they <coughs> if I am here oh, sir, if I am here 
I cannot be I cannot be in the next room. That is our experience. So if my form is here, my form is not up, upstairs or downstairs or the next room. But we tend to put the same idea onto God. If God has a form, uh, He cannot be everywhere. He cannot be infinite. No, God is here and at the same time infinite. Now here we are worshipping Krishna. This is not just stone. He is Archa Vigraha, Archa Avatar. This is Krishna Himself standing here. And, oh, how come only four foot or like so small, you know, how can He be infinite and, you know. Uh, he is infinite because in every temple in the world, He is also standing. <laughs> he can be here and simultaneously He can be everywhere. And He can expand Ananta Rupam, Advaitam Achyutam Anadim Ananta Rupam at the same time. Like when Krishna had, uh, in Dwarka, He had 16,108 wives. And each wife has a separate palace of her own. And with each wife, He had 10 sons and one daughter. 160,000 children and the great son I mean grandsons and great grandsons it went into millions but it is not a very wonderful thing because actually everybody is a child of God millions and trillions so a million members in the family is not a big deal for God is easy and the crucial point is that he when he was with one wife not that the 16,107 were missing him no Every palace he was there simultaneously. <coughs> he was there in his own form. But he was simultaneously there in every palace. And this is God. So, but those who do not understand this, they think God is impersonal. And this Mukti Kamiyar is referring to those people. And they think Mukti means to become one with the Lord. To merge with the Lord. To become as good as the Lord. To become as powerful as the Lord. This is their understanding of Mukti. This is Sankracharya's philosophy. Sankracharya came to uh, give this faulty philosophy. He came on the mission of Narayan. Narayan asked him to do that. But <clears throat> his philosophy, the Mayavad philosophy is faulty. Therefore, Ramanandacharya, Madhvacharya thoroughly defeated that philosophy. It had to be presented for some other purpose, which we have discussed in another class. I wouldn't want to go deeper into that because we have much more to cover. But in in a gist, this is the fact. So this Muktikami, he thinks, oh, I wanted to become a big boss in this material world, I failed. So let me become the biggest boss. As good as God. One with God. This is why they are called Kami. Muktikami. Advaitavadis. They are Muktikamis. So still they want to be the boss. That's the problem. Yes, yes, sir. Then the next class is Siddhikami. Who is a Siddhikami? Yogi. Um, nowadays we don't find any real powerful yogis. Nowadays yoga means just you know some raffles place in the busy CBD. There will be some true yoga, some real yoga advertisement there in a big studio and women and men just come there and do some exercises that is not yoga that is some crap <clears throat> yoga means ah, it is uh, we'll see what is yoga you see oh this has gone bad okay we'll try to be as fast as possible because one of the 
software is not working hmm. you see this this even works I'll try to take it here okay so here we get a glimpse of what is the yoga system that actual yoga system you know we will go to the English for now you see this first of all in the previous verse it is explained uh, this is 6th chapter Bhagavad Gita verses 13 and 14 but before this there is 6th chapter verse 12 where it is said I hope I can just take that out quickly it is said there Oh, 11 and 12. Okay, one second. Okay, here it is. Okay. To practice yoga, one should go to a secluded place. Sorry, not in CBD. In a yoga studio. Hmm? Secluded place, you know, means what? In the forest. In the ashram, in the hermitage. Way away from civilization. Okay? And should lay kusha grass on the ground, not yoga mat, and then cover it with de a deer skin and a soft cloth. The seat should neither be too high nor too low, and should be situated in a sacred place. Uh, the yogi should then sit on it very firmly and should practice yoga by controlling the mind and the senses, purifying the heart, and fixing the mind on one point. Now, how serious this business is. You can't just do a 20 minute yoga session and then expect to become a big yogi. That's not yogi. And it's not over. Next, next, you see, what is next? The next verse is 13 and 14, where he will describe further. One should hold one's body, neck, and head erect in a straight line and stare steadily at the tip of the nose. Thus, with an unagitated, subdued mind, devoid of fear, completely free from sex life, one should meditate upon me within the heart and make me the ultimate goal of life. This is yoga. Huh? Devoid of fear even. When one is in the forest, doing all these things, there are wild animals, insects, bugs, snakes. <laughs> yogi can't be fearful of that. He can't be a fool all the time looking at, you know, which animal is coming to attack me. No. He should be fearless. And this requires a lot of mental strength. And it's not a, it's not that he goes there and does all this and then come back and work. No, no, no. This is, is just, that. that's all he does. That is yoga. And when he says, stare steadily at the tip of the nose, this is not just for five, five minutes. No, no, no. no. We're talking about years. Years. <clears throat> to give you an idea, Valmiki, 
author of the Ramayana, he meditated for 60,000 years like this. At that time, in Satya Yuga, people's lifetime used to be 100,000 years. Human, human beings used to live for 100,000. We think we are in the most advanced age of civilization, evolved from the uh, monkeys. And now we are in the most... No, no, no. We are in the worst of all. We are in the human devolution, not evolution. We have uh, degraded so much. In the Satya Yuga, people used to live for 100,000 years and they used to be predominantly God-conscious and the next age, the Treta Yuga, people used to live for divided by 10, 10,000 years only. Still fantastic in our calculation, but reduced by 10. Then Dwapar Yuga, even reduced by 10, 1,000 years and finally in Kali Yuga, 100 years and that also is reducing. It will reduce to a point, it is said in the Bhagavatam already, that by the end of Kali Yuga, if a man can live for 20 to 30 years, he will be considered really, really lucky and old man. <laughs> it will become so bad. Now, we, we are already seeing how the effects of, I mean, how many diseases have come in this 20th century which have not been existing previously. So many. By our lifestyle, we think we are advancing, but actually no. So anyway, and that is the kind of um, determination we are talking about for years and years and years together with no other occupation. That is real yoga. And if we practice this yoga, now they are talking about Kundalini, Chakra, something. Nothing will happen if you go to this kind of uh, studios and do some gymnastics. Nothing is going to happen. No Chakra is going to happen. You will be in this, only this uh, Samsara Chakra only. <laughs> that's all that's going to happen birth and death there's nothing else that's going to happen so the real thing is in, in this way and a yogi who is actually accomplished in this like Vasishta, Vishwamitra great yogis they could do anything like even Kardamamuni he could create a planet just by his will sorry airplane Vishwamitra created a planet just by his will that, that is the kind of yogic powers we are talking about and they can they can take anything from it. There are Ashta Siddhi, eight yogic perfections. Anima, Laghima, <coughs> Anima, Laghima, Prapti, uh, Ishita, Vasita, uh, uh, what is that? Prakamya. Uh, in this way there are, the others I forget, but in this way there are eight Siddhis. You can become lighter than the lightest. You can walk on water. Yeah, you can become heavier than the heaviest, bigger than the biggest. Uh, and you can you can get anything from anywhere you can control other people's minds so many things you can do a yogi can do like for example now we are they are building some what is that uh, rockets to go to other planets there is a Siddhalok there is a planet called Siddhalok we get information from the Vedas the inhabitants of the planet are so advanced that from the very birth without any practice of this yoga they have all the Ashta Siddhi by birth. And they can just go to another planet at will. And even the Devatas, they can do that. At, at will, they can travel. In a second, they are on another planet. So, these are not some fantasies or some, some, you know, no, it was actually a fact. Now, the Devatas don't come here because what is the point of coming here? It's just useless people now here. But at that time, even Yudhishthir Maharaj, 5,000 years ago, 
when he performed the Rajasuya Yajna, he invited the Devatas and they came. He could invite Devatas and they came down. And even common men could see the demigods, Devatas. That much. Now nobody can see even. Like try to see even a ghost. We can't even see. Some people can. Mostly cannot. And ghosts are just a little bit above human beings. They are not very great. Just a little bit above. A little bit more powerful than human beings. Already we cannot see them. And more powerful than them. I mean there is a whole. uh, (coughs) uh, What is that? Hierarchy of human beings. I will just show you that. Still? I don't know. You know, can you bring my phone? It's quite irritating. There are... um, the hierarchy of what species is higher than what species. This is all scientific, you know. Very, very scientific. Just put it there. Just give me a second, huh? Bear with me. You see here, of the two energies manifest, spirit and dull matter, we're talking about like a stone or a wood, it won't move, right? This is dull matter. And I am a spirit soul. I can move. This body is dull matter. What is a dead body? When the soul moves out of this body and the body shows its true colors. It's actually dead even now. Just like your shirt is dead, it doesn't have life, but it moves because you are wearing it. Similarly, the soul is wearing this body, the dress of this body, which is why the body moves now. And we think we are alive, we are always alive, and the body is always dead. So this is the first understanding of spiritual life, that there there is spirit, which we are, and there is dull matter, which this body is made of, and every material thing is made of. Now, of the two energies manifest, spirit and dull matter, beings possessing living force, vegetables, grass, trees and plants, are superior to dull matter, stone, earth, etc. Now, both cannot move, but one is better than the other because one is living, one is not. Superior to non-moving plants and vegetables are worms and snakes, which can move. Superior to worms and snakes are animals that have developed intelligence. Superior to animals are human beings, 
and superior to human beings are ghosts because they have no material bodies superior to ghosts are the gandharvas and superior to them are the siddhas this is the siddha loka i am talking about the siddhas the gandharvas and siddhas are just uh, semi demigods semi devatas they are higher than human beings but not as high as the devatas so superior to ghosts are the gandharvas and superior to them are the siddhas superior to siddhas are the kinnaras and superior to them are the asuras superior to the asuras are the demigods and of the demigods indra the king of heaven is the supreme hmm. all sorts of no 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 don't do anything there don't do anything there it'll take a while to come up but i'll just read on so superior to the siddhas are the kinaras and superior to them are the asuras <clears throat> you know the devas and asuras they fought the, in the milk ocean the tug of war between them do you know that yeah that's another subject for another day but yeah the asuras were them and superior to the asuras are the demigods devatas and of the demigods indra the king of heaven is supreme superior to indra are the direct sons of lord brahma <clears throat> sons like king daksha and the supreme among brahma's sons is lord shiva since lord shiva is a son of lord brahma brahma is considered superior but brahma is also subordinate to me the supreme personality of godhead this is rishabdev is speaking rishabdev is an incarnation or avatar of krishna so he is speaking this <clears throat> even brahma is also subordinate to me because i am inclined to the brahmanas the brahmanas are the best of all and brahmanas when he says brahmanas is not by the birth whoever indians have got this idea of brahmin by birth that is rubbish when talking about qualified brahmanas who are actually behaving like brahmanas and who are living like brahmanas they are brahmin it doesn't matter who where you are born which family you are born but if you are following you are a brahmana so there are qualities of brahmana this is also ex- established in bhagavad gita so anyway so there are this kind of gradation so superior to human beings there are many species or living entities which are far superior to human beings like the sun planet the moon are full of these not that you know this chandrayaan mission they went i mean according to the vedas nobody none of these 21st 20th 21st century people have ever landed on the moon that 1969 was thing was a complete hoax yeah man i mean went to the moon not now those days the yogis they used to go but now these with rockets you cannot go hmm so again it's another subject but this is um very important to understand that the moon the sun they are all heavenly planets the life on those planets is far far greater than on this planet the standard of life um not that the sun is over millions of degrees therefore nobody can stay there just because i cannot stay there i cannot say nobody can stay there uh, i cannot stay in the water that does not mean nobody can stay in the water there are 70% life is on the water on a, on the earth but i can't stay there just doesn't mean nobody can stay there 
So, this is stupidity, the very, very, very narrow-mindedness of the so-called scientists. But as we understand from the Vedas, all planets are full and congested with life. Not just full, congested. Not that, oh, maybe there are some microbes, let us test some rock samples. No, no, no. They are full, full like, like this, congested. Like in this room, now few of us are sitting here, but there are millions of microbes and ants and this and that. I mean, we can't even count millions of souls even in this room. Like that, it's congested everywhere. <clears throat> you mean God created all those planets with nobody to live? I mean, just think about it. Why did He create? If this one planet is full of life and the other planets are completely empty, what is the logic in even creating them? If, a, if, a, if an engineer constructs a whole estate, does he expect only one apartment to be filled up in that? And the rest of all the houses are just empty. And why did He build them for? So, common sense. So, these are siddhis, yoga siddhis, which one can attain. One can do these wonderful things. So, the real yogis, we are talking about the real yogis, they are also kami, because they want these powers. And sakalya shanta, what is that? Sakalya shanta, bhukti mukti siddhi kami sakalya shanta, uh, Krishna Bhakta Nishkam Atayeva Shanta uh, Only Krishna Bhakta is Nishkam because he does not have any material desire. What does a Krishna Bhakta do then? His, his whole life is just serving Krishna's desire. That's it. He has no desire. He has one desire which is to serve Krishna's desire. Like Arjun in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita his problem was he has his own desire. Are, these are my family members. Why should I kill them? Let them have the kingdom. No, what, what is the use of this fight? Let us not fight. Let us give up. That was the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita. So Krishna, Krishna completely condemned that. You, you are trying to be a big moralist here on the battlefield. Uh, when we tried every moral way of uh, what is that negotiation and they did not uh, budge so there, therefore the war was imminent and now that the battlefield has come and all the armies are assembled now you are saying I want to run away from here you are talking like a coward hmm. dharma, duty means you have to do it no matter how hard it is even if the king has to punish his own son he has to do it if the son has gone wrong like Ramachandra he sent his own wife just because somebody has spoke some nonsense in the kingdom although his wife was pure but he wanted to set an example that for duty's sake one's family attachments have also to be disregarded we are talking about real of course one has to be a devotee of the caliber of Arjuna to be able to even execute such an order from Krishna if suppose Krishna asked me to kill my grandfather would I be would I be doing it he asked Arjuna to do it you love me Alright, kill your grandfather. Let's see whether you can do it. Just see the test he, he went through. We think it's so easy. They had a nice chit chat, you know. Just before the war started, they, let's speculate, you know. Let's just have some fun. Love, tick, I mean, what is that? Chit chat session. No, it was not a casual arm, armchair philosophical discussion. No, it was a very serious matter. And uh, Krishna was putting him to the real you know, test. You kill your cousins, 
kill your grandfather, kill your guru who taught you this thing, the signs of archery, you kill him. You you you, you say you are my devotee. Let me see if you can do this. Now, one may question why Krishna has asked him to do such a thing if it is not morally uh, right to kill one's own relatives, cousins or grandfather who is to be respected and guru. So, the right is whatever Krishna says. A wrong is whatever we, whatever against what he says. So, the attachment that I want to be a good moralist that is a stumbling block when we serve Krishna. If Krishna asks us to lie, we should lie. If Krishna asks us to kill, we should kill. If Krishna asks us to chant his name, we should chant. For Kaliuga, he does not ask us to go and go around and kill people. No. And even otherwise, it's not his order. But for Arjuna, it was specifically the order because he was a Kshatriya, he was a warrior. And for Dharma's sake, he had to fight. That was a special case. But whatever he asks we have to do regardless of whatever the so called moral principle is the whole purpose of moral principle is to go to become God conscious and God himself is telling something even if it so called contradicts the moral principles it does not but even if it seems to we still have to follow that means is a devotee that is that means surrender some people think surrender means I will try and uh, let Krishna decide what will happen. No, 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 that is not surrender. You just imagine for a moment what is surrender when a, when a soldier gets conquered by the opposite soldier, prisoner of war, then he surrenders. Then what happens? Whatever that person says I have to do, that is surrender. Not that, Krishna, I have this plan, please fulfill it. Even if you don't fulfill it, fine, whatever you think, but I, I want to do this. No, no, even that is not good. Like many people think, we have to do our duty, but not care about the result. That is not surrender. That is not even karma yoga. We have to do the thing that Krishna asks us to do. And then, yes, whatever the result may be, it doesn't matter. That is for Krishna to decide. But he asked me to do this, therefore I have to do. And that is surrender. Surrender means I should not have my own plan. When I am planning, I am not surrendering. Surrender means whatever your plan, I will do. Like Arjuna said in the end of Bhagavad Gita, after he understood totally Krishna has spoken and he understood and he said, Karishevachanam Tava, I will do whatever you say. That is surrender. Then he picked up his Gandiva and he fought. So, surrender means to do, not just passively I surrender, let Krishna decide. No, no, no. Krishna has decided for me to do it. (laughs) So, I have to do it. It's not, oh, it's up to Krishna. Then what are we to do then? Yes, the result is up to Krishna, fine. But what am I to do? I have to follow his order. We have to do something, right? Otherwise, Krishna did not say, Arjuna, you just sit down. I will take care of this war. I will fight and I will kill. Is it difficult for Krishna to kill those people in the battlefield? Are with his breathing, he is exhaling and universes are coming out and springing into existence. And when he is inhaling, the universes are going into his body and the universe is destroyed by his breathing. Do you think he requires Arjuna 
to fight that's why he's convincing arjuna please 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 fight you know otherwise my plan is going to go bust no he was not begging arjuna because his plan would become foiled because arjuna are you are the greatest archer if you don't fight how my plan will go on no 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 <laughs> krishna could kill anybody just by his willing how many he did not kill before that already huh you think krishna needs arjuna krishna doesn't need arjuna krishna doesn't need anyone just by his breathing he can kill all of them why did he spend so much time convincing arjuna for his benefit and not even for his for our benefit because arjuna was already krishna's friend when you are god's friend when god is your friend what problem you will have arjuna had no problems but he was seemingly put into a problem so that our problems can be solved arjuna was never in problem he made krishna made him to think like that so that he will ask these questions so krishna will speak for us to read today we can discuss these subjects because krishna has spoken in that on that day and we can perfect our lives for us he has spoken all these things so when krishna does something there is no uh, motive for it not that when we do something there is a motive there is, how can i profit from this if it is not profitable i will not do it who will who will do something which is not profitable nobody but krishna he doesn't he doesn't what profit he needs from us <laughs> everything we have he has given us what is need from us but he comes here when krishna says patram pushpam phalam toyam give me a leaf or a flower or what he is not a beggar that he needs our leaf and flower or water ha huh? bhakti upahritam asnami you give with bhakti that bhakti will beneficial for you otherwise you will have to beg even for a leaf why there are people starving in africa why can't they get even a flower or leaf a fruit to eat just bones in their body water to drink they don't have because if we don't give krishna flower fruit water we will not get even that one fruit to eat in our next life we will become the beggar not krishna is the beggar he is doing it for our benefit <coughs> so we have to understand whenever he is asking krishna is asking surrender to me sarva dharman parityajya mamekam sharanam raja you give up all dharmas and surrender to me and become my servant why hr he doesn't have enough servants so recruiting huh? oh in my golok in the vaikuntha there are not enough servants so i want some servant please surrender to me no he is not a hr no he doesn't need, really need our service lakshmi sahasra shata sambrama sevimanam here we are doing lakshmi puja please give me some wealth and from financial problems are there krishna you know what kind of lakshmi sahasra shata millions of lakshmis not one millions of them are serving him with awe and veneration very careful not to make a single mistake in their service that much command he has huh? why does he need our simple one fruit one water what is this why is he asking why is he asking us to become a servant as if we are such a greatly qualified what is our resume what is our resume why is he even coming here to employ us huh? full of sins simply sin the whole our existence was full of sin millions and millions of lifetimes we have wasted in this material world simply sinning against him na and he we are so qualified that he has to ask us sir we are qualified please come and be my servant why <laughs> no our resume is the most horrible you look at it 
Yamaraj has kept, kept record of our all our resume, whatever we have done. And he will give us, or he will reward us, what job we will get in the hell. Uh-huh. So if you want to be saved, why Krishna is asking to save us from that Yamaraj business? <laughs> Otherwise we have to it is not Yamaraj is not some mythical character, this Hindu mythology, what nonsense. Why is if it is a myth, why are you even learning it? It is a fact, it's not a myth. It's not a mythology, mythology. No, it's not a myth. It's a fact. Yamaraj is there. Hell is there. Heaven is there. And Vaikuntha is also there, which is beyond even heaven. These are all facts. Are why big, big uh, Vyasadev, who is an incarnation of Krishna and Krishna himself, why are they speaking these things? God will come and speak some fairy tales, some mythology, just for some time pass. Some, you know, some, uh, what is this? Spider-Man, Batman, Ant-Man. Uh, just some, oh, just make a superhero and then uh, we'll like make some Krishna as a superhero just we'll have some fun tales no, this is not the great great sages they won't waste time on, on these uh, Marvel comics it's not a Marvel comic or a fairy tale or a mythology the, I think we are the only religion in the world who thinks their own scriptures are mythology no other, no other religion thinks their scripture is mythology you change one thing in another scripture you get into big problem but here, ah, chalta hai. Yeah, just, uh, Mahabharata serial, just change the story now. What is there? Ramayana, just change the story and put some masala and you know, nice viewership. That's all they care. Nobody has a respect for the scriptures. Hmm. I've always tell, told this episode where Ahalya, you know Ahalya's story? In Ramayana, she, was a, she became a stone because of her husband's curse. And when Ramchandra came, his, he touched his foot on the stone and she became again a woman. Ram, what? Siyakaram, I think. The serial episode. I, I, that's the only episode I saw. I, I was disgusted. The, the effects were all nice. Oh, music and everything. Oh, first class. Hollywood standard. Not Hollywood, but somewhere. At least better than maybe 1980s. But what is the storyline? He goes there. Full drama and full music and everything. He goes near the stone. And he touches the feet of the stone and puts it on his head. What rubbish is some feminist rascal who has come there and just talk, I mean, change the storyline. No, because women have to be respected. What is the nonsense? Huh? I mean, if you don't have the guts to show the real facts, I mean, just don't do it, no? Why you change the word of God? Huh? So, no respect. And don't, nobody says anything also. This is you and the children... At least we know because at least we read something before. Now the children, if they see this, oh, this is how Ram has, you know, done it. Are one thing you change, and every every episode is full of changes, huh? not just one, so many changes. Say if this is what we we instill in our, I mean, future generations, where it will go? Who will have any any more respect? Are everything can change because it's mythology, no? It's myth anyway. Let's change it because it doesn't suit the times now. Now women have to be more respected than before. So cannot touch them with the leg, can we must touch them with the hand. If God touches with his leg, you know, how much blessing is that? You don't want to be touched by the leg of God. It's a beneath your dignity, isn't it? The women are so great that it's beneath their dignity to be touched by the feet of God. What are they thinking, these people who are creating these serials? And nobody complains. You know, when uh, Nityananda Prabhu kicked uh, Sivananda Sena, this was 500 years ago, Nityananda Prabhu is Balram himself who came 500 years ago with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Sivananda Sena did not 
received uh, gave him good reception so nityananda prabhu kicked him on the chest and he fell down and you know what uh, shivananda sena did then also before he even came because uh, you know they were traveling actually so he was there was a toll gate so he was uh, shivananda sena was the leader of the whole bengali devotee contingent they were all going to puri jagannath puri to like, uh, observe the rathyatra festival so on the way there was a toll gate and then he got delayed there then so he asked all of them to go first nityananda prabhu was also in the tour i mean in that in that group and um, he they went there and then he wanted to pay up and come quickly but it could not happen the whole night he had to spend there there was some queue or whatever it was the next day morning he rushed there because he did not provide an accommodation for the night he did not expect it to happen so he went there and so in the meantime nityananda prabhu it is shivananda sena's uh, wife and three children three sons were also there in that group they also went and nityananda prabhu while waiting for him to come what is this what is what kind of a reception is this what kind of arrangement is this no place to even stay nothing huh? then he told he saw the wife of the shivananda sena let your all three sons be dead he cursed and she started crying you know when so when uh, in the morning shivananda um, uh, sena came the wife quickly hurried to him uh, nitanand prabhu has cursed uh, children to die yes yes then then uh, then she said please please do something you know the, the curse must be reversed you know why why it must be reversed for the offense that we have done to the lord nitananda not only our three children you have to, you also should die what foolish woman you are why you are crying huh? don't you think you have done something wrong he, he, he scolded the wife then he went to nitananda prabhu to apologize hmm? then he fell at his feet then he rose up sorry i have uh, not arranged proper accommodation nitananda prabhu kicked on his chest and he fell down then he danced he got up and danced like a madman today my life has become successful the feet of lord nitananda has touched my useless body how blessed i am great great sages can't receive the the footprint of the lord on their chest and i have received how did i become so qualified it is purely the mercy of lord nitananda he has accepted this useless fellow who can't even serve the lord properly he has accepted him he has continued dancing and, and nitananda prabhu also danced and then embraced him and it was over so this is how devotees take now they are oh how can the lord kick me who are you who are you and if the lord has kicked how fortunate you are usually the lord doesn't kick you know he lets the maya to kick oh you you talking big big time right mm-hmm. like you know somebody shared stephen hawking who, who knows stephen hawking physicist scientist stephen hawking so in 2012 he said uh, many times he said but there was one recorded statement of his there is no god so after he died i think in 2018 or something then when somebody made a meme and became viral on social media 2012 stephen hawking says there is no god 2018 god says there is no stephen hawking <laughs> finish you know i mean we can talk big time but we will be finished with time finish and not just finish after this go to hell now we don't know what happened to stephen hawking but surely he is going to hell already his life was hell here he could hardly speak he just had to had some machine already he is suffering still with that nonsense also he want to talk rubbish 
is always suffering because of some past karma but some good karma he has some good brains and that also misused hmm. so krishna bhakta he is nishkama he simply executes krishna's will there is no plan of his no karma when we have desire then we plan then we do that's how everything happens so the desire is not there in the devotee he doesn't desire anything if he at all desires his only desire is let's let krishna's desire be fulfilled krishna has asked me to do this i will do for that he will make plan right now here we are trying to move the movement we are trying to establish more temples and you know we we go on facebook live you know we try to do all these things why krishna's plan is that yada yada dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata abhutanam dharmasya tadatmanam srijam he came and dharma samsthapanarthaya to teach this science of devotional service so his plan was this and he chaitanya mahaprabhu asked every one of us to preach krishna's message as it is krishna says surrender to me we say surrender to krishna there's no there's no twisting of the facts so that krishna wanted us to do so therefore we do uh, that's it there's no plan of ours uh, that point we have that that stage we have to come to so now we are not there so what i can do uh, therefore the whole sacrifice starts okay what are we doing now or working so most of our time is spent there all right so we earn something at the end of the month give part of the running to krishna in the helping of the temple and the service and the prachar the preaching uh, give some of the money okay i talk instead of talking you know unnecessary things gossip i can chant hare krishna hare krishna let me use my tongue to chant or instead of thinking instead of reading so many things i can read bhagavad gita because people are on facebook and so we are at least going on facebook at least come here and if you at all go to facebook come here and hear some bhagavad gita so this way we are trying to just uh, we have to mold our life in such a way that everything is krishnaized everything is krishnaized you know spiritualized so that's that's what krishna bhakta means and he alone is peaceful he alone is peaceful so coming back to this point hmm already 9:15 see this subject is very very deep actually if you have to unpack everything hmm let's go on and on but i'll give you an idea this brief another maybe 5 to 10 minutes coupled with all this okay so one who rejoices and is satisfied with the self alone fully satiated for him there is no duty so this is nishkam a devotee only can be on this platform uh, and he is not a debtor to anyone hmm? so on the same way in the next verse also goes and prabhupad says something here A self-realized man has no purpose to fulfill in the discharge of his prescribed duties nor has he any reason not to perform such work nor has he any need to depend on any other living and be- living being a self-realized man he actually does not need to do anything in this world we just 
is serving Krishna. And the devotees love there is temple, there is all. Why? It is not for his personal. For his personal maintenance, no. This is not for personal maintenance. This is for helping others. This temple exists to help others. We can discuss Bhagavad Gita. We can mold our lives in the proper way so that we can achieve the highest perfection of achieving Godhead, love of Godhead. So that is the whole purpose here. To give a chance to everyone to associate with devotees. Temple is a place not just where you come and take darshan and go out. That is what temples have become nowadays. People come to the temple, take darshan, take some charnamad and go out straight. Uh, no, temple is not that. Yatra gayanti madbhakta tatra tishthami narada. Lord Vishnu told Naradmuni, I am residing where my devotees are discussing about me. That is the place I stay. Even it be under the tree. That is the place. I don't naam tishthami vaikuntha. I am not really in vaikuntha. I mean he is in vaikuntha. Why he is there? Because devotees are glorifying him. Yatra gayanti madbhakta tatra tishthami It's not that I have a specific place of residence because I like the place or like the no no I am always with my devotees of course Vaikuntha is full of devotees that's why he is there Naham Yoginam Hridayashiva I am not in the hearts of the yogis who are so called meditating on me uh, but I am really there Yatra Gayanti Madhbhakta Tatra Tishthamina Vaikuntha means also a temple temple is also Vaikuntha but if in a temple there is no glorification of the Lord Simply some arti and some, some puja and then done. No, that is not fulfilling the need, full, uh, real purpose of a temple. Temple means it is an educational center for spiritual life. It is a university of spiritual science. It is a science first of all. Religion and science are not two opposite ends of the spectrum of our life. No, religion is science. Mm. And to understand that science, that vijnana, we have to come to the place where the devotees are, they know the signs and they speak and they, then we can learn from them. The whole point of coming to the temple is to associate with devotees. Once we associate, then we get the faith. Oh, this is how it is. Alright. Once the faith becomes more strong, then one associates with devotees even more strongly. Then one starts chanting, one starts reading, one, so many other services he engages in. Huh? Bhajana Kriya, then there is all the dirty things slowly leave us, all the past habits, not only this life, millions of lifetimes, cultivated, uh, the whole accumulation of sins will get one by one removed and removed and become purified in consciousness. We can actually feel it. How we have been perceiving life now and how back when we were not a devotee. Vast difference. And as we progress more and more, we will even see more and more. So, any devotee can attest to that. So, Anarthanivritti. This is called Anarthanivritti. All the dirty things leave. And then become, become, we become Nishtha. Become fixed in devotional service. Nothing else can shake us. That position we have to come to. And then after that, Ruchi. There will be taste. You want to chant Krishna's name. You can't stay without chanting Krishna's name. Huh? You can't stay without serving Krishna coming to the temple, associating with devotees. You can't stay. It's like you can't live without breathing, right? It is like that. You can't breathe without 
doing devotional service that ruchi asakti asakti is the next stage when it becomes more concentrated and that asakti even when it becomes more concentrated it becomes bhava and then even more concentrated than prema love of godhead so in this way the advancement of the devotee happens from shraddha a preliminary faith towards this process to complete perfection and how long it takes it can take a moment or it can take a million years or even more it just depends on how seriously we take to the process hmm. it depends on our our dedication our determination the path is given the path is laid out suppose we are in a well we have fallen into a well a deep well the only way to come out is when somebody hands a rope the rope is handed down already now the only thing is we have to hold the rope and krishna will pull us up so that's what we have to do so that holding the rope means we have to do simple things not much chant hari krishna on the beads 16 malas a day is actually not difficult and then read nice philosophy bhagavad gita bhagavatam do nice service i eat nice prasadam here everything is there just you have to hold the rope that krishna has given us otherwise if we can't do that much then krishna cannot save krishna will not save us he wants that commitment from us i am ready to take care of you are you ready to be taken care of here krishna is riding arjuna's chariot why because arjuna was ready to let his chariot be driven by krishna the problem with us is we we want to ride the chariot that is when and in the bhagavatam arjuna said krishna drove the chariot in such a way on that battlefield for 18 days that not even a single hair on my head was touched by the arrows of these great warriors you know impassable warriors undefeatable unconquerable warriors dronacharya kripacharya bhishma dev karna duryodhan everybody was in uh, invincible and they could not touch a hair on my body that much how krishna that's how krishna took care of the uh, arjuna but if arjuna rode the chariot how long will he last with all the thousands of arrows being shot at him hey, thousands of arrows not a hair on the body was touched that is how much krishna will if we allow krishna to take care of our lives and if he has to take care of our lives we have to obey him that's why krishna tested arjuna duryodhan arjun came one will get army one will get me my army will fight i will not fight arjuna what do you want arjuna said i want you krishna wanted to see <laughs> what will choose but i am not going to fight never mind i just want you Duryodhan was more than glad. What a fool is Arjun. I mean, doesn't even have strategic sense. What kind of a Kshatriya, what kind of warrior he is. He doesn't even know simple strategy. If a million guys are fighting here, and if one person is here not fighting, what is the use of waiting him? But Arjun is so foolish that he chose Krishna. <laughs> that is how a materialist is thinking. Are what these devotees are doing? Uh, simply chanting what is 
do something productive with your life they'll give us advice what is productive productive means when you're getting maximum result with minimum effort that is maximizing productivity right so here we are just chanting and we are getting the biggest that is productivity whereas these people are busy what they are doing like Prabhupada gave the example that boatman who was rowing the boat so hard all night but when morning he came morning dawn happened then he saw that he was in the same place Are what happened no I was not dreaming I was actually rowing the boat very hard in the night throughout the night what happened and finally it was it found, they found out that he actually did not pull out the anchor he just was going around about the anchor oh, is that productivity but working is very hard full hard work he did not spend uh, I mean he did not even miss one moment of work but what is the result uh, they say work, don't work hard work smart this is, this is so smart means yeah take Krishna's shelter go back what, what do you want to do productive in this world the very fact that we came here was unproductive we are not supposed to be here we are already in the wrong place huh? we are eternal we should not be taking birth here and dying and taking birth and dying and taking birth and dying you are not meant for this so go back to that world where you actually can live eternally with Krishna is common sense common sense that even people don't have that's why they, they are more than willing to suffer more than willing to suffer but they don't want the medicine they don't want the way out in fact they, those who are actually going on the way out they say hey, you are all you know what escapists they call us escapists oh you very easy to talk you know you just sit down and do nothing and simply talk Bhagavad Gita if it is so easy then why don't you do it huh? if it is so easy then why don't you do it why it is so hard for you to come uh, once a year also yes yeah, sir I come Janmashtami once a year why or a new year I will come once a year. Why only once a year? Why is it so hard? Easy, right? Why don't you come? Uh, it's not easy. Hmm. But actually, to be very honest, it is very easy. But they don't want the easy life. And those who take to easy life, they are why, why, why you have to, you know, be just chanting and, you know, nothing, doing nothing. They become envious. He is not working hard like us. Yes, we don't want to be asses. We don't want to be asses. The ass works very hard for a morsel of grass. We don't want to be like that. We want the Lord. We want to go back to Him. So, we have to, instead of being envious, if we take the, yeah, this is actually making sense, so I let me also perfect my life. That is proper attitude. Hmm. So, any questions or comments on this topic? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Vedas have duties and also nowadays people think, oh, this is my duty to maintain family. That's people think. Yeah, yeah. So those duties are <coughs> not to be performed by devotees. It's not only in Krishna consciousness, Yeah, always engaging in Krishna service.
But we must come to that point. We must come to this point of fully Krishna conscious. Mm. Mm. No, 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 no. Anybody who has Yasya Lakshanam Proktam, Pumso Varnabi Vyanjakam, Tadanyatra Bidrisheda, Tatenaiva Venir Dishet. Not only Suddhashatva. Anybody who has him, like we are picking up people everywhere, we are getting initiation. I mean, Prabhupada is giving initiation. On what basis? Because people have the inclination. See, this Narad Muni is saying, in the 7th chapter, 7th canto, Bhagavatam, 11th chapter, verse 35. If one shows the symptoms of being a Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya or Shudra as described above, even if he has appeared in a different class, he should be accepted according to the, those symptoms of classification. He never said according to the birth. So anybody who has, so we accept Brahmanas from all kinds of races, all kinds of, based on this principle. If they are interested in God, yes, he is a Brahmana. If you are not interested in God, then, you know, that's not, even if he is in Brahman family. Any other questions? We'll see if the online community has... Okay, no questions. We'll stop here. Granthraj Srimad Bhagavad Gita ki, Srila Prabhupada ki, Nitai Gaur Premanande.